1: Welcome to Adventist Voices Spectrum's podcast. I'm Alexander Carpenter, and I'm honored to be joined by a frequent guest on the podcast, Dr. Jason Hines. Thanks so much for talking with us today.
0: No problem, Alex. Good to be here with you once again
1: well i'm glad that you are here for a number of reasons and one of which is because of where you teach advent health university because it's in the news or i should say the hospital networks in the news because it along with uh, over a dozen other hospital networks has recently stopped it's vaccine mandate for employees. And I wanted to talk with you so that we can understand why and what's happening in the larger context. Um, And uh, especially about how we can be thinking about uh, vaccine mandates in the context of religious liberty, freedom of conscience, that sort of thing. So what are your thoughts? it's
0: interesting because i'm i'm somewhat conflicted about it conflicted probably too strong a word but i am a little conflicted about it i was a fan of advent Health's support of the mandates i guess i'm somewhat ambivalent about their decision to wait until these cases work out to fully institute those mandates I think they have good legal ground to be on if they wanted to do these mandates irrespective of of what the federal mandate is, but I can also understand the desire to not walk out on a limb uh, in in this particular in this particular environment with this particular question, in this particular situation, even if I would have done something differently if i were if I were in charge. That's probably also why I'm not in charge. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> but uh, I sort of understand the the nuance of it, and I understand both sides of it. I think from a public health perspective, though, I'm very supportive of vaccine mandates because I think it's something it is a sacrifice. That we have to uh, and feel my air quotes there when I when I say sacrifice, but it's a sacrifice that we should do uh, to to protect each other within these communities uh, that that we live and work in.
1: You know, I want to unpack that idea of uh, mandates and sacrifice and and talk about um, liberty and the law. Uh, individual liberty in the law in a second here, but I just want to make it clear that this is um, sort of a temporary uh, stay by a judge in, a, in the federal uh, district court in St. Louis that's responding to some lawsuits by a variety of mostly Republican-controlled states, or at least attorneys general, who are Um, picking at some elements of how the mandate is articulated and interpreted. So it looks like um, this is going to work its way through the court system. And as you kind of implied, you know, many hospital systems are just saying, "Okay, I want to wait and see what the law turns out to be here before we
0: make people do it based on the law. But I do want to dig into it just a little bit because. I do think the mandate is actually on good ground and, and primarily because it's not actually a mandate uh, in, in the true sense of the word. It's, it's a two path alternative, which says, okay, you can either get a vaccine or you can be tested and wear a mask. That doesn't sound like a mandate to me. Yeah. So it is somewhat, the, the, the nomenclature is a bit misapplied. But the other thing that I think is sort of important to note here is that while I think the mandate is on good ground, it's probably going to be overturned. And, and that fully has to do with a political understanding of where the Supreme Court is right now and what that means from a a legal perspective. And one of the things that I think is most harrowing about uh, the last presidency that we went through before the current one is that it totally changed public perception of the Supreme Court in particular. It has always been true that the Supreme Court is a political body as much as it tries to stay above the fray. But I think, sort of, the brazen nature in which the court was politically um, manipulated is something that then makes us all go look at anything that liberals would support, that a a left leaning person would support, and go, oh, well, that's going to be overturned. I would be shocked. And, you know, color me wrong. And I hope I'm wrong, but I'd be shocked if the Supreme Court upheld this. And they'll find their rationale, whatever their rationale is, but I would be surprised if they upheld it. And that's purely because we're dealing with a 6-3 conservative majority, and this is a thing that is being touted by conservatives. And I don't believe that we have conservatives on the Supreme Court as we have had in the past. I, believe, I do not believe we have conservatives on the court that are not politically um, motivated. And so when you look at uh, uh, uh Justice Amy Coney Barrett, when you look at a Justice Kavanaugh, when you look at a Justice Thomas, when you look at, at a Justice Alito, uh, I think you're you're dealing with even um uh Justice Roberts, though he he definitely aligns himself more um, as a as someone who wants to appear to be centrist. Um uh I think you're dealing with a solid six, three majority such that anything that could be considered liberal is not gonna pass constitutional muster under this environment. And I even um, hesitate to use the term constitutional muster because I don't know that that's really the question anymore. The question right now from a legal perspective is, do conservatives like it? If, it, if they like it, it will be upheld. If they don't, it won't. And we're dealing with that for a generation, uh, uh because because of uh the previous presidency i'm glad you turned our attention to the supreme
1: court and you know given that you um have a degree in law and you have a doctorate in religion politics and society i think we should just uh have you on regularly to comment on religion politics and
0: society (laughs) (laughs) um here's here's the thing though alex i think and this part i find sort of interesting is then when we sort of so there's the courts to look at but i think there's also religion to look at and so one of the things that i find most interesting um and funny if i didn't find it also sort of incredibly troubling and sad is and spectrum did some reporting on this Uh, the letter that, uh, and check me on my facts on this, the letter that the the Southwestern Union sent to the NAD. I am interested. I'm very, very interested. I wish that the letter itself became public where I could like just go read it. I did do a a cursory search for it and couldn't find it. Uh, So if you could send it to me later, that'd be great. I Uh, (laughs) I appreciate that because I am interested in what prophetic standing they're understanding they understand, because I don't understand it. Like, I'm <laughs> interested in, in getting into the weeds of this theological argument, like exactly what are you saying is problematic with the vaccine from Adventist prophetic understanding? Like, that's the thing that I'm interested in. And I think it is fascinating to watch the adventist church a church that has so that has for so long advocated for a separation from these types of political rock fights to now try to steep itself into those types of arguments and make an argument about the separation of church and state in order to involve themselves into into those political fights i find that from a religious liberty perspective to be very fascinating and i'm really really interested in what uh whoever decided to draft that at the southwestern union um was thinking about when they said that their prophetic understanding would lead them to want to ask the church to 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 make a statement about vaccine mandates i i'm I'm perplexed as, yeah. to, as to where they were going with that.
1: Well, I'm so glad you brought that up because I know you spent uh, some time in Texas doing your doctorate there at Baylor in, in fact, church state studies. And that is something that I guess the uh, leadership there at the union also um, likes to explore, they noodle around on the topic in the letter, which I'll quote from right now because I have it open in front of me. Uh, they mentioned church-state separation twice, a little bit differently each time. The Adventist church principle of separation of church and state. Uh, they talk about uh, steadfast adherence to that. And then they say the Southwestern Union and its entities request that the North American division advocate on our behalf in opposing this federal government overreach and violation of church-state separation. I, didn't bring up the prophetic understanding part because that's literally um all they say in light of prophetic right. understanding, and that's what they predicate everything else on i assume they mean at some point um the government will mandate sunday worship and vaccine mandates are i guess a slippery slope argument towards that if we let if we start getting vaccinated um, in obedience to the government, next comes obedience to the dragon.
0: It's funny because I was just looking back. One of the greatest things that I think Facebook has ever done, and it hasn't done many great things, but one of the greatest things Facebook has ever done is the memory function, where every day you get to go back and look at what you're for those people, mm-hmm. for people like me who are, can be fans of nostalgia and so recently, maybe about four or five years ago, I did a post about why I hate slippery slope arguments because a slippery slope argument is always trading on a future that we know nothing about. So this step that we want to take today is a step that we shouldn't take because it possibly makes the 10th step easier somewhere down the line. hmm And my argument always is, well, if step one isn't inherently bad, then let's fight about step 10. Let's not fight about step one. You're not telling me that there's something wrong with step one. You're telling me that step one leads to step 10. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. It almost never does. There's always off ramps on the slippery slope. And we can take the off ramp at step four. We can take the off ramp at step five. We can take the off ramp at step nine. We don't have to take the off ramp here and i don't and like i said i'm perplexed i would love to talk to people at the southwestern union about what their prophetic understanding is if you're right that it's just about mandates i think that's a that's a problematic step to take i think what sort of jumps to me most readily is that the separation of church and state is is at least in some people's understanding supposed to be total and that's just a fallacy The separation of church and state has never been about how much, uh, not how much interaction, there's certainly a line, but whether there should be any interaction between the church and the state. There has to be some level of interaction. We are in the state. The, the, The church doesn't, this isn't the Vatican. It's not like we take the Vatican, it's in the middle of Italy, but it's its own state. Like, that's not what we do. Every church is a part of a state. And so it has to, it has to adhere to some general principles. And then the question becomes, well, what general principles should we adhere to? And I would make the argument that any principle that is about the prevent the, the preservation and the safety of other human beings is something that the church should willingly go along with so when I look at so when I look at a question like vaccine mandates i'm sitting here saying to myself, why would we be against uh, doing something that is going to keep other people safe that that's the part that i don't understand and if we're really interested in what the effects of vaccines are, what the concerns might be from a health perspective, then let's have those conversations. But we're not really having those conversations. We're just saying, much like in the Southwest letter, they just say prophetic understanding. We're just saying, well, we don't know what these vaccines will do. Yeah. I think there might be people out there who might know. So let's go talk to them and find out instead of just saying something as as a, as a, as an objection that we, that really what it is is we don't want to have the conversation about it.
1: Yeah. I think so often when science is involved, uh, it can be complicated. And so I, all too often I would say, and I won't blame people in general for this. I would say, I think, um, Let's say uh, politically motivated uh, leaders will uh, will will turn the conversation from a scientific one into a cultural one and play on people's fears. And I think that's one of the reasons that uh, the vaccine mandate has become a, a kind of simplification of the issues here. Um, It's just easier for folks to think, wait, I'm an individual, I have some rights, I want to um, have some autonomy in this world, and this seems like it's infringing in some way.
0: The fascinating thing about that, it's fascinating in two ways. First, it's fascinating because the people who often are making that argument are often the people who are most unencumbered by the, the things that often oppress people yeah (laughs) that's the first way so like, you have all the freedom that you can have in this society and yet you want more yeah so that's the first thing the second thing is as many people have noted our freedoms are encumbered in a number of ways yeah that we do not complain about at all including vaccines yeah All of us, if we have been in this country and we've attended public schools, and probably even if we haven't, we have been subject subjugated to vaccine mandates and the understanding that somehow this is in any way different from the tons of vaccines that you have in your system now. Is, is a fascinating concept to me, once again, unless we're willing to have the conversation about the science, which yeah. no one is actually willing to have, but that conversation is out there. And if you want that information for the do your own research crowd, if you want that information, that information exists in the world, and we should probably go take a look at it if we're really interested in having that conversation. I think people would readily find that there are answers to their questions if they really want them, and that this is not a liberty question, and it really isn't a religious liberty question, Uh, at least not in the way that I think we want religious liberty questions to really be considered in our society. Now, I will say this, it is a religious liberty question in the sense that what you believe is what you believe, And so your religious liberty rights may be infringed if you really sincerely believe that this is a religious liberty problem. That's sort of the fascinating thing about religious liberty. Anything can become a religious liberty issue so long as you believe it strongly enough. But I think the thing that people often get confused is that people's religious liberty gets stamped on all the time Mm -hmm. um, in protection of other people's liberties. So of course, my my favorite example of this is there are a lot of people who would like to discriminate against black people based on what they believe religiously. And that's oh. just a true statement, mm-hmm. but they can't. And so they don't mm-hmm. because the law tells them that they can. not And everybody's fine with that because race is a place, at least um, it has the history such that we go, okay, your religious beliefs, there are kind of whatever. When we talk about other things like a new vaccine or the LGBTQ community, mm-hmm. those are places where we haven't settled those questions. And because we haven't settled those questions, people think that they can still fight for the uninformed or at worst in other in other frames, bigoted things that they believe just because they believe them somehow, some way through their faith.
1: Um, You were very generous. I want to point out that there is a sitting senator right now from the state of Kentucky, Rand Paul, who a few years ago said on, on live TV that he was okay with businesses being able to discriminate based on race in who they would serve. That was a few years ago. As in less than a decade, so and he represents, I think, the views of millions of Americans who perhaps are not caught live on TV expressing that. But I don't want to. I don't want to minimize the um, the amount of people who will use religion as a covering of their own bigotry or their own fears, however misinformed, to justify that kind
0: of uh, resistance to state power. Oh, I'll bring it even closer to home. I've spoken to white Adventist pastors who have said to me that either the nice way they say it is, I wouldn't do it myself, but I understand the the argument. Or they've just said, I support that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I mean, it is, it is what it is. I have no, I have no, um, uh, reservations about how different our society would be if we got rid of the anti-discrimination law today. Mm-hmm. I have no, I have no reservations about how different it would be. And by the way, I also live in Florida. <laughs> so like, I have no reservations about, um, the, the thought process that says I could that there are places that I can walk into today that I would not be able to walk into tomorrow if, if, uh, if we got rid of anti-discrimination laws. I think this vaccine de- mandate debate is in the same principled line mm. of we want to be able, we don't want to have to care about anybody else. Yeah. That's actually the really the better way to say it. It's yeah. not even about my ability to do something. It's that I do not want to have to care about anybody else. I do not want to have to extend myself to anybody else. I do not want to have to consider anybody else in the way that I live, but I do want all of you to consider me.
1: Yeah. So you wrote about this in a column in in September called Losing the Plot, and you wrap your argument around a pro-vaccine mandate point Uh, predicated on the idea of shared sacrifice, something that's not just important for a body politic, but also for a religious community. What are you
0: getting at there? It's funny because I find religion to be a very complex thing, but I also think it's also really simple. And one of the things that is at the center of Christianity is Sacrifice, and not just any kind of sacrifice, but a sacrifice in which you yourself are not in any way guilty or implicated. So if we're going to be Christians, and we're going to say that Christ is our example, who we seek to be like and follow, and I presume these are things that we still say. Well, pretty sure. Yeah. I kind so. of sure. Yeah. I'm pretty <laughs> sure these are still things that we say. I mean, I don't always Usually. keep my I, I don't always keep my finger on the pulse of, of, of you know the, the, the general uh statements, but I feel like we still say that Jesus Christ is, is a being that we strive to be like and want to follow his principles. So it's just amazing to me. I am continually perplexed by our unwillingness to sacrifice. This is a being, perfect, sinless, as we say, who gave up heaven to come down here and live this life, which is by no means a fair trade, and then sacrifice himself in order to reunite us with him, to give us a chance, and Jesus was under no <laughs> obligation to do any of that for us. And yet he cared enough about us. He loved us enough that we were willing to do that. And so it just seems once again, I'm I walk around in a perpetual state of confusion about how Christianity is leading the charge on I refuse to take a shot in my arm to possibly save your life, to possibly make your life better, to, to do things for other people. This, from a vaccine perspective, this is not rocket science. If people are vaccinated, less people get sick. It's not hard. You can, you can do all the dancing around this that you want but the truth of the matter is the le- the more people that are vaccinated against a, a, a illness or a disease or a virus or a thing the less people get sick
1: yep very clear and
0: so and so how could we sit here and say man i don't think i don't think i should get this vaccine i don't even know what the argument is it, is the argument just because you don't want to Well, if the argument is just that you don't want to, you certainly have the freedom to not do it. No one's arguing about whether you have the ability. We're arguing whether from an ethical perspective, whether that's the thing that you should do. The question, the fundamental question of ethics is always not what can you do. The the fundamental question of ethics is always what should you do? What should you do? And so, yes, absolutely. You can decide that you don't want to have the vaccine because you just don't want it. But don't bring Jesus into that. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. Don't bring Jesus into that. Because Jesus is, is the type of being who would sacrifice his life. Which means if the, if the vaccine actually killed people, which it doesn't. But if the vaccine actually killed people, you know what Jesus would do? He'd take it anyway. Like, we know that. That's not, that's not a thing that we Because the other thing that we talk about a lot is the fact that Jesus died for us. It's a central thing. As a model for us. As a model. As a model. So if Jesus is willing to die for me, die for us, if I'm trying to be like him, that means I have to love humanity enough that I'm willing to die for it. I feel like a vaccine is a lot lower down on the it is a lot uh less down the slippery slope than die (laughs) or let's even frame it here that
1: just do some extra research and approach it with an open mind and you know see if the if the scientific evidence uh supports some of the the hesitant theories hesitancy supporting theories or doesn't you know it
0: Being willing to die
1: is great. Uh, I just want people being willing to spend, you know, twenty minutes doing some critical thinking.
0: But but see, the thing is, I don't even want you to do that. The science is complicated. All right, all right. Don't read it. Don't read it. it. (laughs) Just ask yourself: Are you willing to go as far as Jesus is willing to go? Hmm. Because here's the thing: you could take the vaccine and die, or you could take the vaccine and not die. By the way, that is, the tru- that is a tru- truism about anything that we do, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, you could, you could walk out your door right now and die, or you could walk out your door and not die. These are all the, tr- all, this is the ultimate choice that we make, right? So, and the people who decide against that often stay in their homes and just, you know, are afraid to leave the house. That, that's what happens. Oh. So now ask yourself the question, does this vaccine help people get, help people either avoid the illness, have lower symptoms or get better? Well, not get better, but be better. The answer to that is clearly yes. You don't have to actually do a lot of complicated science reading to do that. So then the question is, am I willing to make this sacrifice for my fellow human beings if you're a christian i would presume that the answer has to be yes and yet every time i turn around somebody's telling me that i'm wrong about this
1: mm-hmm.
0: and and to me that logic is real simple and while and and i haven't really heard an argument that runs the other way that isn't based on some sort of inherent form of selfishness which also is a thing that as christians we're supposed to be moving away from at the end of the day people who don't want to take the vaccine and obviously i'm speaking in broad generalities let me let me exclude all the people who have health issues or other concerns that legitimately um. Uh, uh, color this question. Talking about just the regular, everyday folks who who are making these decisions. At the end of the day, your decision to not take the vaccine isn't inherently selfish. One. Mm. It is a. It is a. It is a decision that is being made because you don't want to have to consider the world around you. And. I think that's a problematic stance for Christians to take. I think it's a problematic stance for people to take who say that they follow somebody who and you know this is this has always been one of my favorite texts who speaking about Christ Jesus, who, as he already existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped. I love that mm. I love that like. I don't have to, equality with God is not something I aspire to. It's something that I've already attained. And yet, I'm going to empty myself, make myself a slave by being like you. And I'm doing that to sacrifice myself for you. That is the very essence of Christianity. We have no business saying that we follow Jesus if we're not willing to sacrifice for people. And to me, take taking the vaccine is the smallest of sacrifices. If we, if we can't take that small of a step, then then, and it's the reason why I titled the post this way, we have lost the plot of Christianity. Pack it up, go home. Mm-hmm. If we can't do this, when we're talking about real life and death, real, you know, People around us once again, I'm in the state of Florida. I know where I am. like people really dying are all around us. I don't know that there's anybody in this country who has either not had COVID, <laughs> had someone in their family who had it or knows somebody who had it. I called a childhood friend the other day just to catch up with him. He's like, "Yeah, man, my whole family had COVID last month. I'm like) <laughs> <laughs> Him yeah. and his wife and I think his four kids, they all had COVID. We all know somebody who's touched by this disease. I mean, one degree, yeah. you know, not, you know, not, you know, people, not attenuated people where it's just like, oh, I heard about that guy. We all know somebody who had COVID or we had COVID ourselves. Like, we, you know, we all are in that space.
1: Yeah.
0: And to, and to sort of watch a pandemic, a real pandemic ravage a world and say nah man shot in the arm no way because 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 of my prophetic understanding (laughs) like we 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 got we we have problems and and while we always had those problems (laughs) um at least recently in my lifetime we've always had those problems much like with everything else the pandemic has just exacerbated it's just brought all of these, these problems and divisions and fissures to the surface. And I think it, it behooves us now when we see this to begin to start asking ourselves um, as, as members, as, as institutions, as churches, as um, bodies within this structure, we got to begin to ask ourselves some real questions about what we're doing here if, if we can't get this right.
1: Well, it's been really great talking with you. I knew it would be enlightening. I didn't know I was going to get a spiritually uplifting sermon as well. Thank you for helping us think about our commitment to our fellow humanity in all of this.
0: Thank you, Alex. I appreciate the time as always.
1: Yeah, thank you. Bye-bye.
0: Yes, I knew, Sister White.
1: We will not fear.
0: The kingdom is alive. The kingdom's on the move with the poor and the meek and the hungry and the lonely. Oh, I'll
1: never forget it.